0: Just before we get started, the 2nd Act Podcast would like to acknowledge that we are recording this podcast on Treaty 7 land inhabited by the Blackfoot Nations. This includes the Siksika, Pikani, and Kainai. We would also like to acknowledge the Sutsina and Stony Nakoda First Nations, as well as the Métis Nations, and all people who make their home on Treaty 7 land in southern Alberta. But now that we've paid respects to people that were here before us, let's
1: start the pod. welcome back ladies and gentlemen to the second act podcast and today's guest is rod shrimp rob is an incredible if you're an oilers fan like i am rob is an incredible story because i remember when he got drafted and some of the things he had done winning the memorial cup some of the points he'd put up his his run with uh the u.s uh world junior team um you know as an oilers fan we we hope for big big things and as we hear in this story Um, you know, maybe big things weren't always in the cards for him in the NHL. Um, and he's, he's off doing some really fun and cool things now using those, those lessons that he learned some of them the hard way. Well, yeah. And I'm a little bit embarrassed to admit that I actually don't think I'd ever heard the name. Maybe I've heard it, but I don't think I knew who Rob was despite him being like a first round pick for the Edmonton Oilers, which I'd consider myself a pretty big Oilers fan. And it's just. Like I can't believe I'd never heard of him, and then as I'm listening to this pod, this guy who's tied so tightly with something I'm passionate about, and his entire story is just so upset and determination, and it's just, it's just a great pod. Yeah, Rob's taken a lot of uh, a lot of what he's learned in his life, and he's he's focused uh, it on teaching other people, and now he's living in Hong Kong, working for um the Chinese, you know, developing their hockey programs their players their academies and getting good uh good results he's showing a lot of there's a lot of promise i mean anytime there's that many people there's bound to be some some kids who can put the biscuit in the basket and he's just trying to you know help them do that so great conversation was really excited when rob agreed to come on uh he was one of those ones where you throw uh you throw a hail mary up and and you just kind of hope for the best and when he we agreed to come on um just over the moon great opportunity to sit down and chat with him and he was really humble and gracious and i I think that was the best part is you kind of you meet a guy like that virtually as i do when we're doing these and you just you just want him to be cool and he was he was great we laughed and uh and it was a lot of fun so without any further ado please welcome to the second act podcast rob schrepp hey thanks for having me this morning appreciate it yeah, it's really cool to sit down and talk to somebody who's got uh, some of the life experiences that you have. I mean, um, you know, anyone who knows your name obviously understands your hockey career and uh, and some of the, you know, exploits that went into that. I mean, up until the NHL, you you pretty much were everything that you could have put your mind to you. You managed to to at least experience, if not win. I mean, Memorial Cups and you played in the World Junior Hockey Championships and all those things. Um but it's, it's always interesting to sit down and talk to people that are beyond that scope of their life and what they're doing and what they're taking, uh, the, the lessons that they learned doing something like high performance athletics and, and rolling it out into something that maybe somebody like me who doesn't uh, have the, the God's gift and the drive that, that you did and and use it in our lives and, and use it and apply those lessons. It's, it's, it's just a lot of fun when, when we get the opportunity to, to hear that from your side.
0: Yeah, no, it's definitely, I think there's, there's so much to take out of, um, the take out of, a, a high level athlete, um, you know, for, for life in general. And as the athlete then, and being in that position now, stripping that down and taking those positives and using them in other aspects of your life, you know, you hear a lot about that, you know, a lot of businesses like to hire ex-athletes and because of those traits, you know, the discipline the hard work the drive the team camaraderie all you know there's a lot of really good buzz buzzwords so to speak or or things that traits that come out of it out of a long career um and there's also some stuff that you know doesn't fly in different aspects you know and maybe it's how hard we are on each other and like chirping each other in the locker room and you know when you get to an office sort of setting or a business setting there's hr and there's like you, you know you can't tell that his hat sucks, and that his shirt. You should get a different. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You get in trouble over these things, like. <laughs> so there's there's parts where you have to tame and pull back, but they, there's there's so much you know positive that you get uh, out of the structure of, of pro sports. And I, I can say from hockey perspective, uh, I can't say sports in general, but from hockey for sure, there's that you know all the stuff I'd mentioned. Uh, is it's really helpful, and um, you know it's kind of amazing actually, like to see like that, how much of a gift that is, being able to be a good teammate and and outside of hockey, because it's in, you know, when it is not, it's not a given in life. Uh, not everybody's gonna, you know, stick up for you when you get hit from behind, so to speak. And, and I'm using that uh, analogy, but in, in the business world or in an office space, uh, you know, some people like to see you get hit from behind or, uh, you know, those, those are the bad teammates. So it's like, this, you know, little things like that, that, that really, um, I think like, you know, ceos and owners of businesses like about hockey players and ex-athletes like that team team camaraderie and um, the ability to understand that what that means how to look after each other well
1: and i think once you have experience with seeing um, a a plan work and people come together to execute a common goal you know you see it work a couple of times and then as a young young hockey player in in uh, upstate new york you know you would have had opportunities to play on on high performing teams and and you know i'm assuming there was opportunities to be kind of thrown together to play on a travel team or or a season ending you know all-star team where you're going to a tournament somewhere or something and and as you progress through your life you kind of become accustomed to looking for the cues of what's this person looking from from me how can i participate where what's missing on the team and and when you start to work in your new your new vacation as as you know uh, the online coaching and stuff um you, you kind of have those you know spidey senses tuned right up already from a lifetime of that
0: yeah definitely um you know we growing up in, in upstate new york we had uh you know, we had a really good band of major team growing up we had dustin brown tim Sestito. Uh, we had a bunch of really good players so it was a lot and we were all from different areas so to your, to your point it's kind of that young age coming from different backgrounds different city you know even in upstate york like fulton new york is much different than rome fulton new york is much different than ithaca where dustin came from fulton new york there's some people that lived in Janesville, dewitt which you know to us was like the uh wealthy area so to speak fulton was not so being able to come together with that um you know, those different backgrounds and adjusting and learning how to play off each other, play with each other. And that's not a given. Uh, we, we, we don't want to make it to the national championship as a team, uh, which was a, uh, you know, we didn't want to fall short to CYA, but anyways, we made it there with, with those different, you know, that young age to be able to do that. You learn that then. So I was 12 or 13 at the time, you know, the other kids of the team were 14, 15. And so at that young age, we learned that, that discipline and, uh, all the message and all the, um, you know, the messaging behind that of coming together and putting your differences aside because there's differences there you're at like junior high and high school age is like you're, you're at that age of like pick on anything different and, uh, and that sort of thing and, and then to be that high, again high performing athlete on a traveled uh, A hockey team like understanding that that stuff has to get put to side if we want success and what success is winning and and chasing a championship. That's what we all wanted. So we, you learn that. And I think, you know, that that's a valuable lesson that we all got. And, um, you know, it's, it's such a benefit. And I think that's when you hear people talk about getting your kids that you got to get your kids in sports. That's why they're so desperate to say that it's because that the stuff that comes to your child, you can't produce that at home, you get in that team aspect, they learn how to, you know, adapt and, um, grow and, and, you know, in the beginning, as boys, I can speak for boys. Like, there's always that uh, macho ness or, or I don't know what the right word, macho ness, where it's you know putting your ego down. And again, for that scenario with the band of major team, being able we all did it, we all put our ego down, it came together, and we became brothers. Like that. That when you see that happen, it's so powerful, and it's so it's such a good feeling. And it feels you can still chirp each other, but there's not, it's not—it's not like a background of I'm trying to hurt your feelings. It's more like I'm gonna make—I want to make you laugh right. versus I want to put you down. Um, when you make that transition on a team, it's—it's—it's it's, it's really powerful. So uh, I think it's the, looking back on it. You touched on it. Um, you know that was—that was something really special. Uh, and some of you then after that you 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 try to strive for that. You try if you're on a bad team. There's teams you get on that are you know it's a, it's rotten. <laughs> And you're trying to figure okay which which angle can we take here to try to swing this momentum to go the other way we don't want all this negative we're trying to let's get it positive uh, and you can pull from experiences positive experiences and try to insert that into that group of players and, and try to help and be a good teammate
1: you took a little bit of a I, I and i don't know this in my mind I, I, a player from Uh, that was a part of the national program in the U S and at that age and from, you know, upstate New York, you ended up playing in the OHL. And in my mind, that seems like a little unconventional, especially, you know, 20 years ago, maybe when the world wasn't quite so big as it is now where people understand what's going on everywhere in those circles. Talk about what went into the decision um, for, for your family to to decide that maybe pursuing um, major junior in Canada was the way for you to, uh, to, to, do the best you could for your hockey career?
0: Uh, yeah, so for me, fortunately, I had, uh, Timmy Conley was just 10, 10 miles up the road in Baldensville, New York. And uh, Timmy Conley was an unbelievable hockey player. He was an absolute stud. Um, you know, I didn't know him at a young age. I got to meet him when he was like uh, 15 or 16. I was right around that age. A guy named Don Kernan brought him, um, was coaching him as like, kind of his mentor and coach. And um, he bought the rink in my hometown and he started bringing Timmy around. And that's the, that's the time where my, I mean, Timmy became my idol. I just idolized this guy. He was unbelievable. It was something I'd never seen. I still haven't seen to this day, the way this guy manipulated the puck and his hands, and all, all this stuff. And I just fell in love, like in love, so to speak. Um, and then, you know, just not to dive off the wrong road. And I want to stay on track with your question. But then like 12 years old, Timmy was with IMG and he brought me out to uh he got me involved with with them a little bit and they flew me out to do a movie with wayne gretzky when i was 12. so it was really timmy i was like i was watching timmy and i idolized Timmy, and i wanted to do what timmy did as far as hockey when i was you know 11 years old and then i got to like 12 13 and i got myself kind of on the map and you know at 14 i was on the covered usa hockey magazine like that's it's not a brag piece it's just to show you kind of where my path was and at that age i was really advancing fast and and i have a lot to thank for don Kernan for that you know he taught me all the stuff he taught timmy and i was implementing it and then his son donnie kerner taught me how to shoot so it's like package they taught me all this stuff and i got to a point in my game where i was 14 i was playing tier two junior a and it, i was doing really well and then at 15 same thing and it's kind of at that point you you know you make a choice so to speak i'm 16s at uh ohl you got it you know and that draft is at that age after 15 so I was at a level of my game i tried out and i went out to the trials got invited to the u.s national team twice and it was just i didn't feel like it, it was a place where i would have uh as much growth or on the same trajectory um so that's just how we felt and then we made that decision i don't you know you get hindsight on the decisions you made and who knows if it was the right one or the wrong one um you know i i don't know if how it landed with usa hockey and i don't know if they knew our background and what we were thinking but you know that for us it was like the the ex, you know the kind of the path was going straight up and at 15 we had that i was ranked first overall in the ohl draft so it wasn't like a crap shoot let's see how the ohl goes it was kind of like i'm ranked there like that's you know that's really high and then also that's what timmy did so i was like i want to do what timmy's doing and timmy went to erie tore it up got drafted first round in the uh, nhl to the islanders so you know we were kind of driving on that path. And back then, like you said, it wasn't like now. It wasn't information packed with, you know, social media posts all day and Twitter and all this information that's available. You're kind of like hearing a story about so-and-so that did this. And then you hear a different story about so-and-so did the same thing, but didn't work. And then it was all like stories and rumors. And you had to like rely on a good source, which, you know, we had in Don Kernan. And Don gave us the, the straight, you know, the straightforward answers and not, so-and-so did this and -and so-and-so did that he just said this is how it works so you know that's that's how we got that decision to go to the ohl it just made sense um and it was that's where i was at in my career young career and my my uh, development was going that way and um it was lucky for me i had tier two junior a rate in syracuse so i could play there at 14 15 Uh, because i was getting options you know i was like, like i said i went on to the national team development program Uh, They flew me out for the tryouts there. And then a lot of USHL teams were trying to pull me to come play for them, which would have me moving away at 14. Um, Luckily I got to stay home for those, you know, those two years and be with my parents and be around my
1: family. And I mean, getting drafted into the OHL and going to Mississauga, I mean, uh, the whole of your, your OHL career was successful. And I mean, you went in the first round of of the NHL draft. So, I mean, to, the ends justified those means if that was what the goal was i suppose right
0: yeah absolutely and it's just such a higher level right the ohl was at that time was creme de la creme for the league it's it is still is still probably i think you know it is still considered the top league the other ones are catching up as far as the USHL. but back then the ohl was the creme de la creme like you know i'm an 86 the 85 birth year Is like heart like you, you remember that rock star World Junior Team, they had in, oh, was an 05? yeah, and you know I was in the U.S. team. I remember it clearly. <laughs> so, I mean that that was the league, right? Like Carter, Richards, Perry, eighty five bursts in the OHL. Like it was a it was a really really good league. So, um, going and jumping into that, and and that's that's what I say at that moment. Like that that would be the best challenge for you to like where you sit in the world of talent pool. And yeah. can you swim there? Um so that's you know, that's why it's kind of it was an easy, kind of an easy choice to make, really.
1: So so you do, you know, you you play your way through and you get uh you end up in London, you win your Memorial Cup and and you you know you're getting exposure to all these things. Uh, you know, Edmonton uh drafts you in the first round, uh twenty-fifth overall, and you, you know, you go up and and you're in the NHL or you're you know, you're in the system. Um Describe those, you know, the, some of the lessons you were learning through that part of your life, you know, maybe the first couple of years when, when you were having so much success previously, and then, and then all of a sudden you, you just needed to, you know, was it just the the talent or was it something that you were doing that you, you just didn't quite have nailed yet or, or what went into those first couple of years with, in the NHL? I mean, he started
0: in junior when i first got to london it wasn't smooth sailing like I, I had a lot of hard lessons from dale hunter um you know he he was hard on me and, and you know needed to teach me the, the the ways uh that he saw the game as far as away from the puck and defense it wasn't smooth sailing i didn't go there and just light it up you know i had to i had to buy my, my buy my time so to speak i had to learn my lessons and i got some benchings and some you know and it wasn't um that was a, that was a hard that was really that was when i got that like pause or like i hit a wall i was like oh sh- crap there's walls yeah you know when i was 16 i played for steve lutz I, it was it was really good i had a, he was hard too um but in a different manner uh, it was more like a shaping and uh uh he was more i'd say more vocal or more uh he communicated it what was the plan And you know, in the second half with with dale just there, there wasn't the same so that's when i learned that like there was no it was communication wasn't great so i didn't know what was going on londsey was like listen actually I, I came in i came in camp i'm not proud of it but i came in camp i was out of shape i had no idea about that other side of the game off ice and i just was talented and would go score goals i got right. to camp i was fat i was fat and he's like listen this is what you're gonna do this is what we're doing you're gonna do it and then you're gonna get the rewards and I did it and I jumped and that was you know that was a great lesson and it was awesome. It was hard. I mean I had to lose. <laughs> I was, you know, I was I, I had to say I was fat. I, I was, you know, like 18% body fat. I didn't realize that part of it. I was so blind. Just hockey, hockey. Go on the ice, go on the ice, go on the ice. But anyways, that the lessons I got from ludzie you know, and the way he treated me was great. So when I met, you know, got to London, I, I met that first wall. And it just seemed like that same wall got a little bit bigger when i got to you know to edmonton
1: yeah so it was
0: like constantly hitting a wall hitting a wall with no you know no kind of communication back and that was probably the, the toughest part because it was it was very blind and then you're kind of really taking shots in the dark of what you got to do and uh what's necessary to make it and what's you know what's the plan so to speak so that that was probably something that was the toughest part of that i would call it a struggle because it was a struggle personally. Uh, or that development trying to get there, you know, that was, that was probably uh, for me, it was a little bit of like uh, the, the main thing was the type of hockey, to be honest with you, it was, you know, back then in that conference, it was a really rough and tough and dump and chase bump and grind. And not only bump and grind, it was rock each other and grind (laughs) type of hockey. Um, No, that's, you know, never was my game. Never will be my game um so that was where i ran that that friction it was i had to play so skilled to like outskill hemsky and in, in their first line to be able to make a team which wasn't going to happen like at young age and hemsky at a prime hemsky yeah uh, there's no way i'm outskilling that guy so i think that's where it was for me that's the way i saw it a little bit and it, there, was, there was no way I was going to outskill Hemsky and there's no way that I was going to play on a third, fourth line and be a bump and grinder. Like that's, you know, they had really good guys at that. So I, I couldn't, I was kind of stuck in the middle of where am I going to get a spot here? And, you know, that's just the way it worked out. You can kind of see the trajectory. It was like one game, my first year pro two the second, you know, three, the third or four the third. So uh, it was really hard to get my traction there.
1: So when you got to New York, when the Islanders uh, claimed you, you, you had uh, more success than that what what do you attribute was that just a reset for you or was the 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 club kind of needed your skill set a little bit more was there the better communication what resulted in or, or what led to the, those results in new york
0: uh just just getting a chance to be honest with you be you know like don kernan taught me at a young age too when, you know, when i was 14 going to play tier 2 jr he just sat me down, you know, maybe a week before the season, I think it was. And he said, listen, there's there's gonna be a 10-game period. There's a 10-game period buffer. There's a 10-game learning curve at every league you're gonna go to. And this is gonna be no different. Um, so he said, this year is gonna be you know, you're gonna have 10 games, so just be ready for that. Whatever happens, just understand the first 10 games are gonna be new, they're gonna be, it's gonna be hard. Um, you could struggle, but you're gonna figure it out after 10 games, I promise you. So, you know, if you think about that, I only got seven games over three years. I never got ten games in a row to, like, figure out how to play in the NHL. And I was guessing when I was in the one, one game. And I was guessing when I was in the two games. and the four games, I was just like, screw it. Go. Yeah, <laughs> Like, stop thinking, man. Just go. Who cares? Because that that time, I knew I was only there for four games. It was, uh, there was an injury. So, it was like, literally, you're going to be here for this block of time. Because that, that was the time that in, the guy was injured, Robert Nielsen, a good friend of mine so the 10 games you know like that's so important and it was so true like once i got to it didn't go smooth when i got to the island i I played five games because there's some kind of rules as a waiver pickup that you have to play a certain amount of games to start the first five games i played you know fourth line like five or six minutes and i and i played on the wing different position all this all these variables didn't go well and then i sat out and i had to wait for an injury or someone to play themselves out of the lineup and then once i got in the lineup you know, for like five, 10 games in a consecutive, I just, I don't know, I'm gonna, I don't wanna say it was easy, but it became a lot easier. I after 10 games, I, f- I was like, okay, these are the patterns. Okay, these are where I can do things. Here's where I can't do things. I got to learn these things. And then I just got comfortable. And then I knew like certain games, you just gotta hang on and wait for your power play opportunity. Don't force things. There's other games, like you're, you know, you're panicky, like, you're trying to keep a spot in the lineup. Like you gotta stay relevant. You have to make plays and you when i say that you have to it's like because if you don't you're going back to the press box or you're going down to the minors it's like there's a lot of stress there a lot of pressure and you don't know what the thresholds are because you need those 10 games to like understand that stuff um so i can i can attest to that like that's when i finally got to a point of like i was we were really good our line was very good for the islanders blake como myself and johnny sim uh we were a really good third line i mean i don't i can say that from feeling and, and also like haven't been there, but I think if someone were to check the analytics on our line, we would have been a, for that team. We were really good.
1: It's amazing to hear, like some of those names. You know, like uh, you know, been a hockey fan my whole life. I'm mid 40s so I know all those names. And it's like you you think about all the grind that these people put into their career, to to make a career out of it, and and then somebody. Um, on the inside that kind of gives you a little bit of a glimpse of how, you know, they were all on mid triple AAA teams too and, and did really well and they get to the league and they have to adapt and sometimes it's that 10 game look very early that lets them discover those lessons and sometimes it's on the fourth season on the second team where they get that 10 game look and they figure it out and and there's, you know, I mean there's always a reason but but there's no rhyme or not always a rhyme to it, right? No, it's not and that's, you know, you get like
0: you get a lot of people coming to you and saying, "How can I get my kid?" Here? And I'm not, you know, There's always the same answer. If you talk to X ex, X players, they say the same thing. There's no path. Like, there's not. I can't give you a direct blueprint because yeah. there's not one. Mine's different, and the guy sitting next to me who played whatever a thousand games, his his is different. Probably maybe even been harder than mine. Guy to my right. His is different and he got the red carpet right away. So there's, there's like three different stories, three different guys. There's a thousand different stories. Like it's never the same. There are some tangibles that you can, you know, look after on an individual basis of if you do these things, you give yourself the best chance, but there's no like, take this step, then that step, that step. There's never the same because you get to these other variables that are uncontrollable and there's no rhyme to it. It's like, why did they do that? Why are they doing this? There's no there's no, yeah, you don't know.
1: So after after New York, you, you ended up playing a little bit in in Atlanta, and and uh, that was right around the time uh, the Thrashers moved back up to Winnipeg, right? Yeah,
0: that was yeah, that was the last season there. around.
1: So you you never did come back up to Winnipeg at that point. You you that was when you went to Europe.
0: Yeah, so that's I uh, got to you get to Atlanta. Give you a little backdrop, and uh, I'd, I'd known Rick uh, Rick Dudley since I was 16. I met him through Steve Ludzik, who was my coach down in. Uh, up in Mississauga, so I'd known him, known him a long time, and he was, you know, he believed in my game and stuff, so when I got to Atlanta, I was really excited, because I, I knew I could prove him right, and I knew I could, you know, take a big step there, or have a long long tenure there, at least, and then they sold the team, which was, I was absolutely blind to, personally, maybe because that's how I was on the outside, but there was no talk about it in the locker room or anything, and none of it. I was there, I think they got there in February, whatever the rest of the season went on, middle of April. No, I not hear one word about it. And it was like the first week in June, I think it was, or maybe even May, we got a group text from Andrew Ladd saying, boys, pack your parkas. Uh, we're going up to Winnipeg. And uh, I was like, what? And so team sold. And then uh, for me, I was like, oh, crap. Like, that's, are they going to bring management? That was my first thought was like, are they bringing, you know what I mean? Because that's, you need someone in your corner. and fair enough like a week later two weeks later they announced a gas in the whole front office and they got a whole new front office that's and i was like okay (laughs) writing's on the wall you know it's like oh crap and the first conversation there was not to go too deep into that the first conversation when they talked to my agent was we want rob on a two-way contract and when they say that you 25 you know you know what that means like you're um to climb you're gonna you just climbed everest and you're gonna have to go right to the base start over and i that was that's why not you know people ask me why'd you go to europe that was it i i just could not go back to the base of at my climb up everest was tough
1: <laughs> yeah
0: it took a lot of hits and i feel like i barely got out of there. i barely got up there alive but i thought i was up there and then they were going to say we need you to go back to the base and i i couldn't do it mentally i i just couldn't so
1: well i mean playing in europe um i think is is a pretty reasonable consolation prize even if at the moment it maybe didn't feel like it like that's there's a there's great hockey uh you're getting some an opportunity to see the world you're seeing some culture you know what i mean there's looking back on it i mean there's there's a lot worse places you could have you know you could have accepted the two-way contract and been buried in in a minor league system that didn't give you those opportunities to go over and see the world right you'd have been seeing like you know wheeling west virginia and places like that
0: no i have uh, i have so much gratitude now in my life uh for for my path uh at the time had a, it was hard it was so hard it's, you, i had to go away from my dream and i just started to get a piece of my dream and i had to let it go i had to wake up so to speak and it was not easy for a long time um but i i'm in a position in my life now of of, of looking back at things with a different lens and different perspective and taking the good pieces of it and it was a great piece i I got to see so much culture Uh, i met my wife i have an amazing family out of it um there's all these things it taught me so much about the game i think being in north america like we have this such a perspective of like that's the only type of hockey and everything else is crap and it's it's not the truth sweden was unbelievable hockey like sick like really good that was my first year and i was like wow i went over there and that with that not a my my mentality was i'm gonna go over there and light up sweden and someone's gonna begged me to come back I'm gonna score hundred points. I'm, I was mad and I was you know I was, I was fired up I, but you know what I I used gasoline like that and anger and things of that sort my whole life you know time people doubted me at 12 time teams people doubted me at, you know when I was playing 14 and tier two everybody's like what the? you know they were there's a lot of doubt it's gonna get killed oh, okay Um. so I understand how to turn that into fuel and I used that and then when I was going to Sweden I tried to do the same thing I'm gonna score hundred points and I'm, I got there, and I had, like, two points the first ten games. It was a totally different game. And I, I was nervous a little bit. I only had two points in, like, the, I think it was eight games. And I thought, I'm like, I'm going to get fired. Like, they called me in. They're like, hey, you're playing amazing. And I was like, oh. They're like, no, we're really happy with you. Like, you're great with the pot. You're making plays. Like, you just got to understand, like, it's a different game here. That You don't – there's no three-point-a-game guys here. There's no two-point-a-game guys here. Like, points don't come here because it's much more defensively structured. And, you know, it's a big ice. But, you know, when you get to the big ice, then the defensive structures change. They really protect that middle and the deadly area. Right. So it's very hard to get points. So that's where I was driven by points. And that's the coach saw that, which was Alf Samuelson, who had an amazing professional career. And sure. I you could see it. And I just was like, okay, that, that gave me so much relief. I was stra- I was really stressed. So I'm like, man, I for the team side of it. And also, and like I thought, I had this thought of, I'm going to get 100 points.
1: And I was sitting at two and 10. There's only 50 games there. I'm like, I only got 40 to hit out. (laughs) here. I just think I'm going to get there. Uh, But it was, you know,
0: it was great. And then I got to see a lot of stuff, Sweden, Switzerland, Germany, Austria. I got to see so many different types of hockey, so many different things. And that really gives me a different uh, perspective. And I stand on a different uh, stand on different ground when I speak about the game you know it's for players now being able to give back to the game i can give back to a player that plays in north america i can get back to a player who plays in almost every league in europe and now i sit in a place where i live in hong kong and i can bring all that information here and that's that's a major information dump because sometimes i think in this kind of situation with you know ex-nhl guy comes a coach they only ha- have one perspective which was how the nhl rode in North America Road the North America Road is is a road it's a great road but there's there's a hundred other roads and they're all valuable well
1: and I think that's you know getting into what you're doing now um I I I wonder how open to something like that you would be if you had just done the 15-year NHL career um instead of having to do all this changing and meeting all these other people and understanding there's more than one way to teach hockey and learn hockey and play hockey. You know, even something is like we talk about the bigger ice, but it takes the geometry of the game and throws what we learn on on our ice here in, in North America out the window. You have to, like you say, completely change the structures of your game. And that, you know, dovetails nicely into what you're trying to do now, which is create these this coaching platform and help people achieve the, their dreams by using what you've learned.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, to touch on that. I think, I think, you know, if I look at myself and I look inside my path and where I've come from, um, you know, everything I'm really on to the, everything happens for a reason. And I think, you know, I, Things may have happened when I was younger that, it, that, you know, it was frustrating. And so, whatever, negative emotion towards it. But, um, you know, I've been working with the next teammate of mine's dad, Scott Molson. He's been unbelievable for me, instrumental in helping me see things in a different perspective and get on a different path and see and start taking those things from your path, from your past, putting them on your new path. And I think for me, it was it's something I, d- I don't think I was meant to just be that one and only thing. Um, of that 15 year career, just a hot, like for my personality and, and the way I see the game, the way I see life. I think I was meant to to spread that to a lot of people and be impactful for a lot of people. So I think that's the, you know, the the joy I get out of this, this path and coming here and, and doing something new, helping, you know, these people in Hong Kong grow their game and have different, uh, you know, better, I think, and, and a little higher level information for them and help them grow and get to a different level. Uh, so. Yeah, i think this the journey is, is amazing you know it's, it's taken me all over the place and you always in back in those days it was, it was a little bit of a curiosity why is this why is that and now it's more like okay this makes a lot of sense and it's it's pretty cool and when you get to that moment uh, and someone in, in sort of my position like where i'm at now at this age and this stage in my life like when you have that moment of like okay this is why this all happened it's pretty cool you know and it's pretty powerful and it makes you energized to go forward and it makes you energized to you know study and look at new things and find new solutions and grow a new project so to speak this is a this is growth for me so it's exciting and it's different
1: so so what exactly like i've li- I've read about a, a little bit and listened to a couple of other pods where you talk about it and it sounds like even this is still kind of you know a little bit morphing into exactly what it might end up being tell us a little bit about what the what the the plan is today for what uh what you're doing
0: yeah so the you know right now i'm, I'm a director of hockey ops and and so we got um five coaches under under the umbrella or under our organization so to speak two guys from czech republic so you know, the plan is you know getting organized in that um the coaching staff and having organized development plan for the players you know it's really a matter of managing ice time what we have for ice time and what we can give for development so right now then being in that position i'm excited because it's a project you could say okay we have you know this program has 16.5 hours okay we got skating shooting stick handling break it down do the math of it and then you start bringing these drills together for them of what would be impactful so it's it's really fun and it's going to be you know right now I'm sit in a place where we're, i'm building that out And we're going to implement it, and then you're going to get in the season. You're going to see, okay, we had this plan for September and October, but now you're going to have to, you know, he can't pivot backwards. He can't certain things, right? There's going to be certain points where you change in your fluid, but for now, putting that, you know, that practice plan together, having this structure, and being in a position where, um, how do I say this? I don't want to come off wrong, but I I get to dictate that I have. I get to like help build that and I have a say in it and I know what's going on. I know what's being put into it versus being in a position. Like I said, when I was younger, I was always like, what's going on? I'm so lost. I'm so confused. I don't know. This, this one is more a little bit more powerful That to get to build something like this and have a say in it and um, put the care and effort into putting something together for other people is pretty cool. It's for the kids. And it's really, it's about that. All that stuff that goes into it is about building up, building up young players and helping them develop and helping them reach their goals and their dreams. So it's, uh, that's where it kind of, you know, that's where I sit right now. And that's, that's the plan right now, just building up that program for the year and then, uh, you know, watching it grow and develop and tinker with it. And I'm super excited about the opportunity.
1: So is, is there a push in Hong Kong to develop ice hockey players or or how did, how did your abilities come to their, you know, attention and, and you guys sit down and decide what this needs to look like.
0: Yeah, there's definitely, there's a lot of push for growth in hockey in China in general. Uh, the women's team just, just won a big tournament and, and advanced and moved up and that's huge. So there's, there's a lot of interest here and in, in growing the game and growing the level. So, uh, you know, the, the, the thing for me, the, the opportunity where it lies is that ability to grow a program And there's no, you know, now it's time for me to put all that energy, all that effort into that growing this program, helping it develop and putting my energies towards that on on a fresh canvas. You don't get opportunity very often where it's a clean slate. It's literally like, here's your program, go ahead and build it. And, you, you know, other jobs, um, you know, present themselves, but you own it, you know, other lanes. And it's like, you don't have that opportunity. You kind of fill a spot. Right. You're inside of a, you're inside of this puzzle and you're just one piece of the puzzle. This is like a clean slate and to get to really develop a program, implement, you know, my thoughts and ideas and the things that I've learned from my, from my journey, bringing that's that whole, all that stuff. I just mentioned all those roads that I took down my path. Now they're here and I meet here and I get to implement those into this group of kids and help give them all that. And you know, some's going to land with kids, and some won't. You know, not everything's not all that everything that I have is going to. You know, it's not to say that it's the only information, but it's new. And some some will land, and some some won't. But that's okay. Like that's part of life. But but it's you know, bringing that here and having that resource for the kids is what I'm excited about. And then putting it to a schedule and saying in this hour and you know these five hours in this month, this is what we're going to get. And then I'm excited to see after that month how it goes. Like really, I'd love. I'm going to be really excited when the next thing you know, some kids going bar down, bar down, you know, or some group of kids are cycling the puck like crazy, or, you know, another team's got a group of kids that every three on two, they just are effective and smart with their decisions. Like that's, that part is like the, uh, I, where I get the endorphins from.
1: Well, and it must be, it must be a different vibe to get, you know, after all those years of being the competitor and, and to getting the juices flowing and being, so highly skilled to be able to take a step back and and have that be your driver um you know it's i don't know if it's a maturing but it's it's such a different thing it has to be you know in your kind of quiet moments of self-reflection that has to be like wow this is really cool to have something so different drive me now
0: yeah absolutely like yeah you know and it's not so cutthroat competitive I'm super competitive, always will be competitive, but it's not so cutthroat competitive. I don't I don't have to be less body fat than you. I don't have to, you know, put yeah. you out so I can get in. Like, that's not the same compete, you know, it's like a different, definitely a step back and um, a totally different mindset and totally different goals and everything. So it's, you know, am I might you know, still be absolutely competitive, but <laughs> I cannot, not, like I said, cutthroat competitive, which is nice.
1: So you mentioned you have a couple of coaches from the Czech Republic. Are they working in Hong Kong with you?
0: Yeah, uh, Alice just got here today from Czech Republic and Rudy's on his way this week as well. So they'll be here. And then we have a couple of local guys, Francis and Ken. Uh, They've been around. They know the landscape really well and um, know the kids very well. So that's going to be really helpful because that's, you know, I need that feedback too. This isn't, it isn't just, I'm just speaking about myself because we're on the podcast talking about my journey. But it's a team effort, and that's you know really important to have that feedback and um, the level of players and stuff, and what kind of stuff we can implement is really important. So Ken and, France, uh, Ken and Francis would be really instrumental in that, on how you know how we can take those building blocks or take those stepping stones, so to speak, towards development. What we can implement, where the players' thresholds are at, you know, and where we can push and where we need to lay off a little bit. So it's having the local staff is going to be really helpful as well. Um, Yes, there's five of us that are working and there's there's also some helpers there's guy Connor Quinn here he'll help out on Mondays and uh some you know some dad parents uh some hockey dads that are joining they'll become out as parent coaches one guy was a captain at Princeton um, so it's a really good resource as well and you know it's that's pretty cool there's a lot here there's a lot of uh yeah there's a lot to pull from here
1: so with that are you are you guys building this system up but in the background building a blueprint on on how to you know take this to the to the next place that's looking to grow their hockey or is this at this point still very focused on you know the 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 group that brought you in to to develop the the hockey here where you're at yeah
0: it's, it's more about the group here and elevating the group here and um, China Hockey Group's organization like that's what's the main focus is of making that a really strong program and a a program where players want to come to and be a part of Um, some some really cool initiatives going on too we're playing the ASL Asian Super League Um, you know teams in Taiwan out of Taiwan South Korea uh, team out of China uh, team out of Bangkok so we're going to do Asian Super League and we'll play about six I think it's three events we'll all get so that's where we can push the competitiveness and, and challenge each other from different countries But we want China Hockey Group to elevate, you know, and be a top program and and developing kids and moving them on later on down the road. Obviously, it's year one, so I don't want to jump into that kind of speech just yet. Right now, it's really narrow focused on let's see how the kids develop after this first year.
1: With the population base over there and then just the the different sports and the different development things that, that these kids are doing versus what we might do in North America, you must see some just incredible athletic feats kids that can come along and do unbelievable things and and you're trying to harness that athletic ability into something like skating and puck handling that maybe isn't you know something that they've been doing since they were one and a half years old and toddling across the the living room right (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a different culture. You know, Canada and North America is a lot different. Canada specifically is, is like you said, like you're one years old, you got a hockey stick in your hand. Some some are like out of the womb and their parents are giving them sticks. So it's a different different culture in Canada. But, yeah, I think here with, with um, you know, the culture and the mentality and the discipline and the passion that they have for hockey, I think you can do some really cool stuff. Again, if you give them the right stuff to work on, the right way to do it, Um, I think that's just what's missing a little bit. So hopefully we can fill that gap for them and just show them those things and and be a mentor for the, for a large amount of people.
1: Over the course of your, your journey, um, there's been, you know, some, some incredible highs. There's been some, some lower times. Um, you, You obviously you've come through to this point with, like you say, you're able to look back on some things with a, with a little bit different lens and, and you, you know, you are able to recognize what, important times were and, and the lessons that you were able to take away maybe sitting at the end of Dale Hunter's bench burned in the moment but you're you know at this point in your life you're able to understand why why it needed to be that way how do you how do you manage your mental health going through all of that and getting yourself to a point where you know a lot of that you know we've seen it where it, it 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 wrecks people and, and you it didn't wreck you um you, did you learn right off the hop how you were going to manage that or was there some real hard lessons in some dark days
0: uh it was really it was hard for me it was really hard um you know i went through a long period of of tough times you know a little bit depression and and just so confused and lost and it was hard it was really hard you know like that wall that i talked about i felt like it was up for a long time and then it got let down. I finally got, you know, Finally, it was some grass to go run on. And then it kind of came up again when I got shut out again. So it was really tough to understand why and confused. And it, um, you know, it, it really was hard for me, but I, I don't know. I'm a very determined person, uh, very driven person. I didn't let it get, I didn't let it stop me. Uh, I'd have to say um, I got down, you know, I was down pretty deep couple of years is just, it's so hard to take, you know, and it didn't see it through a I didn't see it. I didn't step outside the box and look from above. I was just so focused on 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 the problem, um, which is something I would take back, for sure. And stepping and looking at your problem from a different lens, and figuring out solutions and different ways to attack the problem, I think I'd lacked the ability to do it was you know, stuck on, like, I had so much success in the past and I was so good and talented. Like, why well, was this not working? Did, did did do like, should have probably started thinking about different attack angles, so to speak. It's just like when you're in a slump in hockey, um, you're not scoring in your normal patterns, try something different. I, you know, that that mentality, I could have taken a better route on. Um,
1: it was yeah,
0: it was tricky, man. And then, you know, you just try to start getting slower, you slowly get small wins, and you started trying to build on positive and that's where i'm at now and kind of in these days where i've changed my perspective and I've, you know like i said about scott molson helped me out in, in getting on a different path and um seeing things in a different light and that's where i sit today i mean that's been a project over the last six months seven months where i've kind of changed my tune and saw things differently and and um you know it's started to develop and grow myself and you know look at those things from what happened and and look again from a different lens and take different things from it and see it in a different perspective. Um, And then, you know, at that moment for me personally, I could say it was like cutting a piano off my back. My mentality changed and I see everything different now. And I see conversations in a different mode. I see myself in a different mode. It's not, you know, just to be direct, like it's not a guy that failed. Like that was actually pretty cool what I did. It wasn't, I'm not a failure as many people might think so and a bust or whatever and much as i you know as much as people kind of giving me negative (laughs) through my career my life like there's nobody that was harder on myself than myself nobody harder on me than myself you know like so learning to not do that and and kind of against you know sort of like love yourself a little bit (laughs) so that's good you know it's again it changes your perspective in every conversation you start to see I don't want to say in the wrong way but opportunity you start to see positive you start to see okay these you know different lines this person doesn't think of me as this person likes me for who i am it's it's not a you know i don't have to prove anything so to speak so that that changed a lot and if anybody if i can use my words to help anybody else like that's i just try to tell my part of it and if that helps somebody else then i'm happy you know i'm that makes me happy i'm glad if it helps one person see it in a different perspective like that's that works
1: after all these years and all the opportunities that you've had and, uh, and, and the things that you've done um, success at various points in your life must've looked, you know, very different from what it is now. There would have been times when you were an athlete. I mean, success was very well-defined and, and everybody was, was agreed upon, you know, this, this championship or, or this, this many wins was success. And as you've moved through your life, and you've had to change your view of success. What what does it look like to you now, and and what what shapes and, and pushes you and drives you towards success today? Uh,
0: it's it's a good question. It's it's that's probably the biggest struggle as an athlete when you retire when you turn shut it off. Is on you know when you play hockey for I, I mean I play my whole life but professionally sixteen years roughly. Like you had those defined wins. And those defined lot those moments, you had them. and You got a game on Thursday, you got a game on Friday, you got a game on Sunday, like you had those. And then when that goes off, you don't know what's a win and what's a loss. And then you start almost like chasing those. Like you need that like feedback or that. And that's for me personally where it got into a little bit of a, you know, I could say a little bit of a spin. Didn't know what to look for, what to find, and what was a win. And um. Yeah, it was really hard to figure that out. So, you know, that's, and again, I, I revert back to the most, like, I, I didn't know, like, I wasn't on a path. It was just blindly going left and right. And do, 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 you're going nowhere. You're just going in a circle. And then once you start to get on a path, you start to see these things. You you start to get a goal. You start to get driven towards something. And you start making moves to get towards that. You see, you take one step and you're on Then next thing, you know, you're, you know a little bit further down and now you're like you're climbing towards something and it's not all this dramatic win and loss crap it's just more like what do i have to do what do i have to get done okay get it done and then you meet this little goal so it's a small win and then you're you feel good but it's not like the good of a you know overtime winner and there's twenty thousand people going nuts or whatever like that's dramatic and like that's not reality <laughs> no there's nothing you know being an athlete like you're never going to clone that moment you're never going to clone that you can't there's nothing unless you do maybe like public speaking and you get to a place of like tony robbins or okay so there's rare cases but on a, on a scale of like normalcy right that that's too dramatic and then the same thing like a turnover to lose the game like those things those are very dramatic ups and downs but on the path, it's just like you know you got your goals on a daily what do I need to do to build? And you check boxes. That feels really good. I got ten emails out yesterday. Uh, I wrote, I drafted up three welcome messages, and I did four of the programs. Now that is that as cool as scoring the game-winning goal, no? But it felt really good at the end of the day. I was like, oh man, I'm proud of myself. That's sick. Cool. And then tomorrow, what do I got to do list? And then you should start checking them, and then you start to grow as a person. And then you see the things you've done. Okay, I've drafted emails and. Um, you know, develop programs. You start to see like you're growing as a person, right? Like you're you're developing, and it's it's moving towards something. So it's it's that's where it's kind of, you know, that's that's the exciting part for it now, for me. And it's you know the growth of as a human, and then what that's going to do with the growth inside of me, getting my shit together, is going to be so impactful for a whole organization. That's cool. Like that's. You know, that has, I think that has meaning, you know, and like that's, that has more meaning than scoring one goal and one crowd going crazy.
1: What an incredible conversation with Rob Shrimp. I mean, if you, if you know who Rob is, if you know his story, um, the, he, he came in highly touted. He, he'd done a lot of really incredible things as a hockey player before the NHL. And, and unfortunately, as he talks about, it just didn't work for him and, and he had some learning to do. Um, but, you know, he's taken all those lessons. He's taken the things he's learned from the incredible mentors that he had and he's passing it along. He's making it so that those lessons get passed along to people before they maybe turn into uh to an NHL career that could have been. And I think what he's doing now over in Hong Kong, teaching, you know, a whole program and, and setting them up to, to really start to deliver to the world stage. Uh, what, you know, other than maybe a Stanley cup, what could be more rewarding? I mean, to look and see what he's going to leave behind as a legacy. I don't know. There's too many out there that are, that are, that could be better. So I think he uh, he's out there. He's doing it. Uh, He talks about, you know, what he takes into, into success and, and what he wants to do every single day. And I think, you know, who amongst us doesn't want to just have that, that I think is the, the most incredible part of this is just having that purpose every day. So, Another great pod. We're so happy to be bringing you, these to you. I hope you've been enjoying them since we've been back from from the summer. You know, like and subscribe and do all the things that you can do on your various podcast uh, platforms so that, that we know that you're digging it. And like we always say, there are no wrong answers and there's no test at the end, so make the most out of every day. The TechnoC podcast would like to thank Ben Sound for the intro and outro music, Happy Rock. We would also like to thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please like, subscribe, and give us any feedback you can.